All right, it is. <laughs> it is up with the intro, dude. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Worship Local. This podcast is brought to you by Single Speed. Dan Gable Beer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Single Speed. Yes. This is our podcast where we invite you into the long-winded, ever-deepening, sometimes winding conversation of Frontier Church, where we exist for the glory of Jesus and the joy of Des Moines. I'm Luke Snowden, and I'm one of the pastors at Frontier Church. In today's podcast, we explore my calling to church planting, what you can expect in my future at Frontier Church, what that will look like, and how you can support me as Frontier Church's next church planter, Lord Will. We hope this podcast helps you worship local. Yes, dude. This is going to be a fun podcast. <laughs> I'm psyched to have you here, dude. Oh, well. I'm psyched to be here. Do you think anybody is surprised about this podcast and the announcement that <laughs> you're going to be Frontier Church's next church planner? I don't think so. There might be a couple people, but I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a big secret at this point. So... No, it's it's kind of it's exactly between the uh, it's not a secret, but we haven't made a public announcement about it yet. Yeah. So that's the season we're currently in, which obviously we're popping that bubble right yeah, now. Yeah. So like, woo. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is it, man. Yeah. This Crazy. is exciting. It's good. Did it's you good. Uh, do you ever think you'd be back in the the church planting saddle? How'd you get How'd you get bit by the church planting bug again? Mm-hmm. Maybe you could walk our church through that. We'll we'll get around to. It timeline, what the church can expect from you, how to support you. All those questions are awesome, and I can't wait to answer them. But let's just start uh, with narrative, man. So how'd you get bit by the church planning bug? Well, when I came to Frontier, I had zero intention of uh, aspiring to leadership, let alone church planting. Mm. I planted, I was called church plant in early 2000s, planted a church in in the Las Vegas area, and ways away, yeah, a ways away, many moons ago, mm-hmm. and uh, that was a very good experience. It was unbelievably hard, difficult, and crazy, yeah. Also, incredibly rewarding. Awesome sounds like and sounds wonderful. like church planting. Yeah, sounds like church planting. Yeah, <laughs> I made a lot of really stupid mistakes and have experienced what? a lot of of very rewarding blessings. Yeah, As a young church place. planter, you made a lot of stupid mistakes. Imagine What's that, that like? Imagine What's that. that like? Yeah. So, um, you know, I went through, most of the people at Frontier are aware, I went through divorce in 2011 and went through a real difficult time, ended up mm-hmm. stepping out of ministry at that time. Um, and I was convinced I was done. And I sold my library. You know this. Yeah. Yeah. So a guy in town. Yeah. Sold my whole library. Who's that guy is now in Connecticut planning a church. Amazing, but, dude. Isn't that crazy? Amazing. So yeah, he got my whole library that I had been collecting for years. And, and that's I thought like it was a symbol. Done. That's like that's like a symbol. Like you you giving away, selling your theological library. Like mm-hmm. that's like a symbol of uh it's like it's like when wrestlers wrestle their last matches at the Olympics, mm-hmm. and to, to symbolize it, they leave their wrestling yeah. shoes in the middle of the mat, which is always just like super moving. I know it's a tearjerker. Yeah. You selling your theological library was like you taking off your wrestling shoes in the middle of the mat. It was. I was done. I thought. Yeah. I thought I was done, and uh, and the Lord had other plans. Evidently, <laughs> when I got to Frontier, gosh, that's so exciting, man. Yeah. yeah. 
when I got to Frontier, uh, that was, I was, uh, the Lord had, by the time I started coming to Frontier, the Lord really used Redeemer Presbyterian Church and Wayne Larson, the pastor there, um, as unbelievable encouragement. There was a time of real spiritual healing in that church and, what an awesome church. What yeah. an awesome pastor. And they too. were just like it was like the perfect place for me where the Lord just really used them and, and the guys in that church just to be an encouragement, a place where I could heal. Mm-hmm. And where the Lord really um, started bringing me back to himself and uh and you know, just working on me. And then when right. I found Frontier, I was like, oh, I found my people <laughs> <laughs> on a website. Right? Yeah, found yeah, a website yeah. I found or, you five okay. pages yeah. deep in Google. You guys were still not publicly launched yet. Yeah. And then um, I had I just intended to sit in the back and just silently judge everybody, <laughs> like all of us <laughs> theological nerds try to do to each other. Yeah. And yep. Um, you know, I, w- I wanted to be an encouragement to you and Andrew as you guys set out to plant. Um, I think I told you when I first met you that my hope was to be like Ralph. Ralph was my a church member mm-hmm. at the church I planted, and he was the biggest source of encouragement and help to me. And he's my model of what a good church member is, and I feel like I always am trying to mm-hmm. live up to his standard. And so when I came to Frontier, yeah, I was going to yeah. just be Ralph. I wanted yeah. to be a Ralph to Frontier Church, and so that was that was all my aspiration was. And so I did that, and then I was going to move forward in my nursing career as a nurse. Mm-hmm. I was going to go on to be a nurse practitioner. And I sat down one day, crunched the numbers, was getting ready to apply for nurse practitioner school. And, um, you know, working as a nurse, had enough experience and everything was ready to roll for that. Mm-hmm. And when I looked at the numbers, it just was apparent to me that if I did that, whatever opportunity there existed at that time, uh, for me to, if I wanted to go back into ministry, would pretty much be gone. And it froze you up, man. That, that it did. moment froze you. It, it fro- I just, I looked at that and I was like, oh my gosh. Hmm. It's not, I'm not just theoretically done with ministry if I go this route. It, I, I have to put it to bed. Like, it's it's got to be done, done. And I realized in that moment that I couldn't just put it to bed. And that started the process of me thinking, well, what the heck does that mean? Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't know what that meant. And so that's yeah. what led me, to, uh, led me to enrolling at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, where I would start doing an MDiv that I'd always wanted to do, rather than going to nurse practitioner school. So I was like, well, I don't know what the Lord wants to be. I can spend the next three years studying and preparing whatever he's got for me. I'll, I'll do that. Whether it's sitting here at the church, just being a help, or mm-hmm. doing whatever else. Church planting was not even on the list. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh wow, man. Yeah, that's still wild to think about. That man. was not even on the list of 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 prospective choices for me. Yeah. But in the first week of the first class that I took, church administration. We had to write a post about our calling to ministry. And in that post, we were uh, encouraged to also pray and ask if God would call us into church planting. And I was sitting in the chair you're in right now in my kitchen. Yeah. I read those instructions and I thought, that is the stupidest thing I have ever heard in my life. (laughs) I am an overweight 
<laughs> dude in his 40s who's balding, divorced, and a ton of baggage in his life. There is no... That's just, that's just moronic. Why would I even consider that? And as I was sitting there wrestling with that and resisting the instruction to pray about it, yeah, it was just yeah. the Lord just convicted me in that moment. It was like, uh, hey, dummy. Wow. I like your professor, too. I don't even know your professor or whoever remember his name. Like, I, could, I could find out who it was, but I don't remember his name. That's good teaching. That's been a good teacher, though. I should, I should email him and tell him what's going on. Dude, but. I mean, like, at any... Yeah, you really should. You should tag him in this podcast. <laughs> but a good teacher will always force or exhort their students to do something, and at some point in time, the student thinks, this is the dumbest thing that I've ever done. Yeah. And then there's a paradigm shift. Well, but the thing was, is in that moment, I wasn't like, oh... I guess I'm called a church plant, so that's what I need to do. I was like, clearly, there is something wrong with me, and I have totally misread whatever I think is going on spiritually here. Mm. And so I sat mm-hmm. on it. I didn't say anything to Brenda because I was embarrassed to say anything because I thought it was just a stupid idea. Mm-hmm. And then um, I couldn't I couldn't put it to bed. I couldn't get it out of my head. So I intended to figure out how to get rid of this, and I thought the best way I can get rid of this thought is just to sit down with you whoops and give you the opportunity <laughs> to look at me and say yeah that really is a dumb idea put that to bed luke and so that's what i was hoping would happen so we met at celebration of grounds yeah and you looked at me when i said that to you and you said well let's let's have some more conversations and i wanted to punch you <laughs> <laughs> let's let's open up the dialogue yeah but um but yeah that ever and it was a slow process but at that point the lord just started convincing me slowly that this is what he would have me do and so i've been slowly mm. like a turtle mm-hmm. pursuing and thinking and praying and the lord has over the last now almost 4 years it's been almost 4 years um over the last four years, grown greater and greater confidence and passion and excitement about the possibility of going back out to plant again, which is just crazy to me. Wow, man. <laughs> yeah, I still remember that conversation, dude. It's like, um, you know, there's really not that much that our church wants to do. Like, we only have three goals as a church, and yeah. one of them is to be a church planting church. and. And um, so the the thing that gets me almost excited as anything else is just the prospect of giving away 10% of our church towards church planting. And mm-hmm. so when you sat down with me, I was like, yeah, I'm I'm not going to punch you in the face for saying that. I'm not going to shut this idea down. Let's open a dialogue. And we've been in that dialogue now for a couple of years, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, been wild. So one of the things that's happened in those couple of years is that you've gone through our elder development process. Mm-hmm. Over the course of, you know, 12, 14 months. How long was it for you? It's designed to be a flexible year. I think it was about a year. It's about a year? Yeah, it was okay. 12, 13 months. Yeah, something like that. Cool. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't overly complex. How was it, though, for you? It was good. It was good because um, I have never, even though I've been a pastor and served in churches, never been through a development process. Mm. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it was, you know, I was sent out to plant within less than three months uh, when I was younger. I was oh my saying, gosh, dude, that I, is I freaking like crazy! Calling me. Yeah, my, they, it's irresponsible. They were like, Go! Oh, it was that's irresponsible. irresponsible. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So no, I I really appreciated having the opportunity to just be 
sit at the pastor's table and learn from you guys and watch your leadership and then just the the readings and uh papers and that that you guys had me write um it was really good it was just really Mm. good to reflect on all the things that the lord's been teaching me and doing in me so yeah it's been it's been a really good process you know i like i like the curriculum piece of it like i like the i like the books i like the reading Mm -hmm. i like the writing i like looking at the essays um i really like that part of the development program but for me the the key is the table Mm -hmm. you know on a weekly every other week basis sitting down at the table with the pastors and just soaking it in i mean for me that's where i'm doing the majority of the development just watching you know how we respond to one another watching what the team dynamics are watching how a person contributes watching whether or not they're uh, a net gain or a net loss at the team. And so I was just super encouraged by you at the table. Is there anything that surprised you most sitting at the table with uh, the other elders? I, I, you know, I've, I've said this before, um, but the thing that stands out to me the most is um, watching you use, uh, watching you be more silent than what I anticipated you being. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> I, right, yeah. I just assumed that you would be kind of a take charge, get in there, and and you you lead. You you keep us on topic. You move us through an agenda. You, you do that. But you don't dominate the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's just bad cultures that I've been in before. Sure, yeah. Or that I've participated in. Where lead pastors tend to kind of dominate those kind of meetings. Yeah. But it's, it was just really, it's been really helpful for me to see you um, take seriously the uh, input and the the wisdom of the other pastors. Mm-hmm. And you seem to be the last one to talk on most issues. Mm. And that's just, uh, it's, that's for me that... I am. I've got diarrhea of the mouth, and I've got many opinions <laughs> and lots of judgments. And so, yeah, yeah, like it's just been been good for me to see that and be challenged to appreciate the wisdom of God through other men before my own. And so, yeah, I think that's been one of the biggest surprises for me as I've grown into being a lead pastor. Has been my my honest to God preference of listening rather than speaking. You know, like that just surprised me. I think a lot of it is like once you get a pulpit as a young man, I think some things change in you. You mm-hmm. know, like where, like, dude, like honestly, seven years ago, eight years ago, I talked over people. I talked all the time in conversations. I didn't listen well. I didn't ask questions. I thought that the main thing I had to contribute to every conversation was my beautiful vocabulary, yada, 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 yada. Um, I, I mean, it's just a young dude, right? Um, but since becoming a lead pastor, I've noticed that. It's not just that I don't, it's not that I find listening virtuous, even though I do think that listening is virtuous. It's just that I really actually have a preference. Yeah. I prefer to listen rather than speak in a lot of scenarios now. There are Bible verses that would encourage us to take on that posture. And so, and for me, I've always been convicted about how, you know, I tend to want to get my voice heard and. So it's just it's just been really mm. helpful for me to watch you lead and lead effectively while not being the strong man out in front mm. controlling things and it's you know 
it's 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 a healthy thing, and our church should know that. That's we there's a really healthy power dynamic happening <laughs> in our in our pastoral team meetings. I mean, they don't get to see it, but if they saw it, they'd be really yeah. proud of how our pastors handle themselves Dude. together. I think so. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. It's really what gets me excited too. Is like, you know, the other the other week. It's wrestling season, so just prepare yourself for tons of wrestling analogies because it's how I make sense out of life. <laughs> but um, I, I've got a couple favorite kids in the middle school team. I'm not supposed to have favorites, but I totally do. Oh, yeah. And there's this little wiry kid who's got all the natural talent in the world, but it's his first year wrestling, so he's just really rough around the edges. But I can see this kid's future. You know, like if he continues to discipline himself and to sweat and to work hard and to listen well it's the type of dude that you could see contending for a state title because he's just that freaking talented mm-hmm. um and so i've just said that to him a couple times because it's true um and uh we had our first wrestling meet last friday and uh this kid's mom sought me out and said hey i'm blah 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 blah's mom and i was like oh hey cool i'm i'm coach dykey and she said oh i know who you are and i was <laughs> like uh-oh what's that mean and she said, uh, "You've taken a little insecure kid who didn't want, to, he didn't know if he wanted to go out for the sport of wrestling, and you have filled this kid with a confidence that I've never seen in him before. And that is better than any wrestling match that I ever won when I was yeah. a kid. That's better than having my hand raised. Uh-huh. And uh, I think I've just learned that my preference is to coach." in such a way that other people become awesome leaders rather than only trying to be the awesome leader, you know? Yeah. And so, well, the, thing, like the that, irony you know? of that is you end up being an awesome leader when you do that. So, yeah. So, yeah. So. Hmm. I think Jesus has stuff to say about that. You save <laughs> your so life. Too. You're going to lose it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we've got, you know, so you, it's been a, a couple years long of a dialogue. You've gone through the elder elder development process. Now, the other big piece that I'm excited to talk a little bit more about was you've gone through one of your two church planning assessments, and yeah. one in Chicago. So we're dual affiliated as a church. I think m- most people know that. We're SBC and Acts 29. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our church planners have to do both assessments, whether or not they want to be dual affiliated like us. And so you knocked one out, man. You you went to the, the Send Network one in Chicago a couple weeks ago I did yeah that was let us in dude let us in. yeah no it was it was good uh the, the most challenging part of it was um i i didn't i think i've told a lot of people this but uh i when we got there the first thing that happened was we had to stand up with a mic and start talking introducing ourselves and talking about ourselves and brenda got the mic and, and Brenda was like, what up, what up, put your hands in the back. Well, most people know that Brenda is not the most uh, extroverted individual. <laughs> <laughs> She's awesome, and man. I, I love felt, Brenda. I felt horrible. But that was, that was the only thing that I was like a little like, <gasps> I hope this is going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The rest yeah, of it yeah. was all good, man. It was, it was a really good, really encouraging experience. Give us and the highlights. Brenda handled 
her role in all that like a freaking champ. Yeah, yeah. She rocked it. And Brenda is is a champ. Yeah. And, you know, sitting with your assessors. Yeah. Because um, I wasn't in the spaces where you were assessed, but I was in constant dialogue with your assessors. They were just huge fans of Brenda. Oh yeah. Which is like, of course. Yeah. Who isn't a huge <laughs> fan of Brenda? You know. So <laughs> highlights. Give us a highlight of uh, church planning assessment um, in Chicago. Well, one of the things that you know. It, Having a divorce, um, having you know, baggage in in your life, mm-hmm. you always assume the worst. Uh, well, I maybe not always, but I tend to assume the worst. And <laughs> mm-hmm. going into those kind of circumstances, wondering how that's going to be perceived, how that's going to go, and you know, I went ready to hear whatever they were going to have to say to me, but it was. Uh, it was just really encouraging to see them. It, my past and the things that have gone on weren't a liability to them, which was odd to me. Right. They wanted yeah. to know who I was as a man today and what, um, what, uh, where, where I stand today with the Lord and with the church. And it was just, that was encouraging to see. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, at least in the SBC, they're not uh, throwing people out because they don't come in with a clean record. <laughs> yeah, they don't have a, a red disqualified stamp for yeah. those types of things. Yeah. And you know, I know that there are other people that, that would, and they don't have any malice or ill intent behind it. Um, but um, for me, being in the circumstance that I'm in, it was it was encouraging it was it was validating for me in a way mm-hmm. that was me- meaningful for me so that that was helpful and just hearing the heart i mean the the people that were assessing you know they they made very clear that they were there to um they weren't there to, as our judges necessarily they were there as partners just wanting to make sure that we were ready for whatever whatever was coming our way in church planting. And mm-hmm. so th- their disposition was not coming at us with red pens, um, right. even though they yeah. had them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but they were, they were friends and that was, that was encouraging. The other thing that was really encouraging that really didn't have anything to do with the, um, with the assessment itself um, really had something to do with some of my hesitations about the SBC. Um, yeah, yeah. Walk us through that yeah. a little bit. So yeah. my history with the SBC is interesting. I never heard of the SBC until I went to Union University, and it is an SBC university. Hmm. I went into the financial aid office on my first, the first day I got there, and when I got there, they said, well, are you a member of a Southern Baptist church? And I was like, no, I'm not Southern Baptist. I'm from Iowa. <laughs> 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 and uh, they're like, well... You're a member of a Southern Baptist church. You get a five hundred dollar a semester uh, scholarship, and I was like, "Where do I sign up?" So literally, my relationship with SBC was forged on money. Dang. I wanted a scholarship, Lucas. <laughs> I went, Lucas, no. I went and joined West Jackson Baptist <laughs> Church. <laughs> my man. Yeah, that, that's my hit. So, um, anyway, that's a silly story, but it's, it's true. It's, it's it, it, I, very true. Um, but um, that being said, um, obviously, one of the glaring 
issues in the Southern Baptist Convention is the racist founding that we have, and not only mm-hmm. the racist founding we have, but the ongoing racism that um, was supported, defended, and practiced in the Southern Baptist Convention. I mean, I mean, in some pockets still today, it's there. Yeah, and you know, I mean. In my lifetime, it was in the nine, late 90s, early 2000s, I can't remember when, when the policy was rewritten to allow African Americans to be covenant members in Southern Baptist churches. Like, that was in my lifetime. That's horrifying, dude. Yeah, and so, you know, and then every year with the Southern Baptist Convention, there's always something that makes the news, and it's usually, yeah. you know, politically related or racial and racially related and so it's just so discouraging because for me yeah i there are things that i absolutely love about the southern baptist convention like the cooperative program and all right. the work for church planting and missions and all that but just that history and the stain of racial sin that it, it just does it seems to cling to the southern baptist convention and so it's just always been a source for me like a sore spot like making me slow in my commitment and love for the SBC. However, mm-hmm. how, so I know where you're going to go with this yeah. and I'm happy you're going to take it that way. How, so how do you justify wanting to plant a, an SBC church with how horrified you are at that racial stain in on the SBC? Because <clears throat> um, we have a high priority as a local church yeah. for our desire to see racial reconciliation in Des Moines. yeah. You, it's something I always struggle with. I end up, I end up, uh, I end up on the side of remaining partnered with the SBC and desiring mm-hmm. to partner with them because I do believe that there are people that are on it. There is, um, I see movement in the right direction. It's disappointing to not see it. Um, to not see it uniformly across the SBC. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially when it's publicized and exposed. But that's good that it's exposed, I think, too. But it's, it's I mean, it's, yeah. it's so yeah. complicated and messy. I know. Yeah. And, and I know it's, it's an, it's just something that I don't have an, uh, an unhindered excitement about. I feel there's like a concern there. So it's, you know, I don't know the I don't have a good answer to that really. I mean, I I think I see positive movement in the right direction, but there's also evidence of things going in the wrong direction. So, <laughs> so on some yeah, things. Yeah, so it's yeah. that's that's hard. That being said, the SBC, despite all of its failures and all of its um, culpability for for racial sin, has been used by God to create. Um, in his pure mercy and grace, the most effective and the most um, uh, robust and substantial uh, funding apparatus for Christian ministry in the history of the church. Yep, absolutely, man. And I, I don't think that that necessi- that does not rubber stamp the Southern Baptist Convention, but it certainly does give me hope that God hasn't abandoned them. And, and mm-hmm. I feel like, I feel like, my partnership with the SBC is I want to contribute to that funding apparatus. I think the cooperative program is a genius idea, despite its history and present day flaws. But 
what was so cool for me yeah dude um going to this going to this uh assessment when we we're in chicago um i went there and I was able to see, and maybe it was just because it was in Chicago. I don't, I don't want to read too much into it, but it was just so encouraging to see the racial diversity at this assessment. It was beautiful. I thought it was beautiful, man. And it, it was entirely led by African American pastors, mm-hmm. and there was not a word said about it. Like, oh, we're going to let the African American guys lead because we're about racial justice. It was just like, these are the dudes leading it. Yeah, biblical, like yeah, biblically was, qualified, yeah, solid dudes, like great are, leaders. It, it wasn't an yeah. issue. It was just like, this is who's leading us, and this is who's doing this. And mm-hmm. the no, number of, the amount of racial diversity in the church planners that were being assessed, and the racial diversity in the assessors, and then in the leaders, of it, it was just, for me, I was just like, oh. We are going in the right direction. If this is any hmm. reflection yeah. of where the SBC is going, I have great hope for our future. And yeah. so it, yeah. I walked away from that. That was the single most encouraging thing for me was just to see if that's any reflection of the direction the Southern Baptist Convention is going, then I am happier than I ever have been being a Southern Baptist. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good word, man. Yeah. That's a really good word. That's a great observation, man. I'm glad that you put that in your back pocket too, because that's important to know. Yeah. So I'm I'm imagining uh, uh you know our an, an average church member at Frontier being like hey that sounds great Chicago sounds great what the heck does it even look like to what does a church planting assessment even look like can you walk us through like process really quickly um so basically it's just a series of interviews mm-hmm. um series of interviews interrupted by um, sessions that are intended to spur your thinking and challenge you in the communication of mission and vision and calling um, to church planning. So one of the first things that we had to do was write down our story of church planting. So that story that I just relayed about how my call to church planting, like I had to like draw a picture of it and then present it to a group. Which is silly. And also super helpful because you're going to tell this story a million times yeah. over the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So we had to practice that in front of the assessors, and the assessors were there asking us questions, giving us feedback, trying to help us articulate our call. And then the, also the same thing right. with our mission and vision of the church. We had to sit in Brenda. I feel so bad for her. <laughs> Brenda's the bomb. I, I, I felt like I had so much to apologize, but she's she just handled it like a freaking rock star. Because she so, is a rock star. But we're sitting up in this panel in front of a group of people. You were in there, right? Mm-hmm. And it was like a mock city council meeting where I had to answer questions about this about our church plant and like basically present the church plant to them. Yeah. And then in the middle of all of it, they say, and what does your wife think about all this? And then they hand the microphone over to her and they start asking her (laughs) logistics (laughs) questions about the church plant, which we have never discussed. And she she rolled with it like a champ. So it was, Oh dude, that's awesome. But yeah, so you have those kind of sort of mock scenarios where you have to, practice and exhibit you know articulating your calling and vision but then also there's the individual assessments where you go into a room in a classroom with one other assessor and then they just spend an hour asking you questions about Mm -hmm. various things your family life your spiritual health your healthier marriage your kids your just everything you can think of 
they they go from top to bottom in your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you leave. Preaching assessment. Oh, preaching assessment. Yeah. 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 I had to preach a sermon. 15-minute sermon, right? Yep. 15-minute sermon on Romans 5. Yeah. Classic. Yeah, well, we had to pick between four passages. Who who can't exposit all of Romans five in fifteen yeah, minutes? No joke. Right? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. So you know, it was good. Yeah, got up, got that done. I think I was the first one to go too. Sweet. Yeah. So I was like, I just want to get this done. So. Yeah, you guys did so great too. I was I was so proud to know you guys and to be and to be on your team, especially when it came for the final assessment. You know, being able to I shared this during church planter appreciation or uh, during pastor appreciation month, but like just like the amazing joy that it was to be able to sit in a room with your assessors afterwards and just smile as they sung praises about you guys. It was I was like, yeah, <laughs> yep, I pastor with that guy. <laughs> yep, I love Brenda too. Yep, and so like to see them glow about you guys and their entire assessment was really amazing, man. So, yeah, well, you got the green light. There was something funny that happened there. What? Um, there was the one night when they wanted to give uh, all the planters a date night out with the wife. Yeah, and we got they were giving everybody a fifty dollars gift card, or whatever, to go out and have dinner. Yeah, Brenda and I didn't get one. Oh, you did it? Yeah, yeah. So we went back. We were that. in there talking and we were on our way out and they're like, "We don't we're missing one. We don't have one for you." And so they were like, "Keep your receipt and and we'll reimburse you." Yeah. And so um and so we I was like, "Brenda, we're not going to give them the receipt. We're just going to go out and have right. pizza and enjoy our night together and we'll take, you know. I'm right. we're not worried about it. We weren't expecting it. It's not a big deal. I don't I wasn't, you know, upset about it but um we got back and they're like do you have that receipt they were like we want that receipt and so we gave them the receipt but uh then didn't hear anything about it they didn't i didn't get like a reimbursement or anything but then like a week ago two weeks ago there's a huge box at our front door and in this box (laughs) in this box is a gift card no way Uh, i got one of those mugs that you got there the yeti mugs yeah and like a toiletry bag. Really nice card. We feel really bad that this happened and we just wanted to basically hook you guys up. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. They like totally took care of us. Dude, that's so sweet. That's so sweet. They really do care for, for planters really well, man. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> so you got the green light, dude. A green light. You got the you got the green light. You got the glowing review. You got the five star rating, man. It was it was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. So I know it's really 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 early. Um, but what is your church planting vision beginning to look like in rough draft form? Share as much as you want about church name, to strategy and vision. Um, what's that What's that looking like? You've got you've got you know. Uh, a flexible 12, 13, 14 months of church planting apprenticeship in front of you before we send you out to plant. But walk us through vision stuff so far. Well, uh, so name-wise, um, Emmaus. Oh, I'm sorry. He drops it. He drops it. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, Emmaus Church. Emmaus Church in Ankeny. So we're uh, Phil led to plant where we live here in Ankeny. And uh, yeah, Emmaus Church. Uh, just th- that passage in Luke 24 with Jesus walking with the disciples um, on the road to Emmaus. He does that epic Bible study with them. 
showing them that he is the interpretive center to all of the scriptures. Gosh, I love that story, uh, dude. It, 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 the Emmaus just says gospel-centered. It's mm-hmm. just another word for gospel-centered. And so I thought there's no better way to just communicate what we're about, what we're going to be about, than saying we're on a road with Emmaus with Jesus. and On the road yeah, with yeah. Jack so, Kerouac. So, yeah. Emmaus Church in Ankeny, that's that's the plan with the name. Um, super excited about that. Also, the first school I went to was called Emmaus. I went to Emmaus Bible College in Dubuque, Iowa. Yeah, dude. Look my, at that. my freshman year of school. Yeah. It was meant to be. Yeah. So, anyway, although they're Plymouth Brethren, we won't be wearing any uh, doilies on our heads when we worship like they do. So. Oh, oh sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's not part of your vision, huh? No, not part of the vision. Uh, vision. Um, Vision, uh, what I have worked out right now is uh, that uh, we exist to become like Jesus together for the joy of Ankeny. Mm. That's that's the plan. So um, Beautiful, man. I yeah. love it. Yeah, so within that, I, I broke it down into four different components. There's discipleship, becoming like Jesus. There's gospel, Jesus is the center of it. Uh, there's community. That we're doing it together, and then there's mission for the joy of Ankeny. So that's that's the sort of framework I'm going to be working from. So that's great. Discipleship. That's so exciting. Gospel, community, mission. Get used to it, man. This next year, this next year plus, this next flexible year, it's going to be at the drawing board, hammering and hammering and hammering away at strategy and vision and all that fun stuff, man. I know. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. It's going to be good. So uh, I I don't want anybody to panic, right? We we've got Luke and Brenda for another thirteen, you know, fourteen months. When when did we decide that we we're going to start your church planning apprenticeship? Officially transition you in? I think we're talking with the pastoral team about that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah, think yeah. it probably sooner than later. Right. Yeah. So uh, you guys know the church planning apprenticeship. You, you know the Powells went through it. It's a flexible year. 12, 14, you know, however many months. And so I don't want anybody to panic. We've got time with Luke and Brenda. Um, It's not like they're flying out the door right now, but we need to start the dialogue and we need to start to think about how to support Luke and Brenda. And we need to start to think about how to be their cheerleaders and champions and what it looks like to become, well, not to become, we are, um, but to continue to live into our DNA and our vision as a church planting church. It's exciting, man. It keeps yeah. me alive. It keeps me young. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I'm I'm psyched. I think I think if I think that I would be a little bit more like Paul in my calling of my desire to go around and move around from city to city and plant more churches if I didn't have the capacity to plant churches from Frontier Church. Yeah. Yeah, because you're always in the work then. Yeah, dude. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what would you say? I mean, our our church has a really high church planting fluency. Like they know that we're about this. They know that we do not hoard leaders. That hoarding leaders always goes poorly. They know that we send our best. Like our church knows that we love church planting. But to somebody who might be skeptical about planting a church right across town in Ankeny, like what would you say to them? We're not McDonald's. That's right, dude. <laughs> McDonald's, they uh, one of the things they do is they uh, they have like their maps, and there has to be so many miles between franchises 
you know, we're not we're not franchising, mm. and we're not in a competitive capitalistic market. Mm-hmm. Fact is, the fields are white unto harvest. Jesus pray calls us to pray for laborers, and all the church planting is is another mobilizing combat unit to go out and reap the harvest. So, yeah, so we, there's not a um, there's not a limited market share that churches compete for. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and and planting a church is hard, obviously. Um, but it's also super healthy. Like, did you did you notice anything when we sent and planted the palace in the way that Frontier Church did that, or how we bounced back, or what that was like? The one really cool thing about sending the Powells was that as much as it hurt for Nick to leave, Nick and I, I feel like I became really close with Nick. Mm. He was my small group leader or community group leader um, before he left, or before I launched out the group that I'm leading now. And uh, we were in a fighter group until he left. And so I spent a lot of time with him. Yeah. So... Yeah. A friend leaving was has been hard, but to watch Joseph just like right, bro, just like flower and like he's like a, he's like a beaming <laughs> sunflower right now, just like yeah, yeah, yeah. Watching Joseph just emerge, watching Chad, yeah, you know, continue to be as dependable and helpful as he is with sound mm-hmm. and all of that. Just watching individuals in the church that were kind of in the shadows there, but not forward, but to step forward and just kill it has right, just right. been, it's just been awesome. It's the same thing when Andrew left. Yeah, you know, absolutely did. When Andrew left, all that vacuum has been filled. Like we ha- we can't replace Andrew, but the areas that we needed people to step up, people have stepped up, yeah, and they've yeah. done it in an amazing way. So one of the cool things about when people yep. leave is the pain of watching people leave is replaced with the joy of watching other people just shine. Oh, that's good, and, dude. And, and, I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and put that at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> Say that one more time. That was good, dude. Just try, just try. <laughs> the pain of watching people leave yes. is quickly replaced with the joy of watching people shine. Mm, yeah. That's good, man. I like that a lot. And you know, um, one of the setbacks to strong leaders is that sometimes strong leaders can create really soft cultures. And one of the reasons why that's the case is because when you have a strong leader in the spotlight, people feel really cozy on the bench. Yeah. They feel really comfortable on the bench. Yeah. And uh, when you take them off the playing field, people got to step up, man. Yeah, they do. So you, you, if you do not train up and send out strong leaders, you do not create a strong culture. You yeah. end up creating a, a soft culture, which is really you know oxymoronic. You would never think that'd be the case, but mm-hmm. it's it's totally true, man. Put people in in a position where they gotta they gotta get to work, and they do. They do. They do. Yeah. They do. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. You get and, people like Cat Moore. Yeah. Phenomenal worship leader. And part of you wonders, like, I know that this is a little, uh, whatever, but part of you wonders, like, if we were not faithful in sending the pals out to plant a church, would the Lord not have given us the moors? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I know that that sounds bad, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. I feel like the Lord rewards obedience. I believe so, yeah. Yeah. 
yeah no it's yeah that's the cool that is the cool thing is that it's just like in baseball when they you know they sold half the cubs away and that day was a horrible day this last year but then you get to watch the dudes that come in and win you over Frank the Tank comes in and just kills it at first base for the Cubs. Right, Wisdom dude. comes in and breaks the home run, run record for the rookies. You know, and the Cubs stunk this last year. But all those guys that left, now I got new guys all of a sudden to just pop forward. It's just it's just the way of life. Not only in yeah, the church, yeah, but even in the world. And, yeah, so. And it's our unique calling as a church. Yeah. Like to be Frontier Church and to be obedient to Jesus' unique calling on our life. We must continue to plant churches. Yes. So let's do it. All about it. Let's do it. <laughs> we got a couple more minutes, bro. Um, what are the specific ways that people at Frontier Church can support you and Brenda for the next year, year and a half? The biggest thing is pray for us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we, you know, Jesus was very specific um, in praying for the church that. There'll be laborers sent out into the harvest. We need those. Um, Jesus was very specific about feeding his sheep. And if I'm going to be serving as a church plant pastor, I need to be equipped to be able to faithfully feed the sheep. Yeah. Um, That we need to be faithful in mission. We need to be faithful in discipleship. Um, And just... uh, we, I'm not going to be able to plant without a team around me, mm-hmm. and so, um, so the Lord is going to need to provide the right people to come alongside of me to help, support, and join the labor. And so there's just, there, there's a ton of needs that we have, and so um, yeah, yeah. So actually, I am writing a prayer guide for people that I hope to get in people's hands here in the next next while for people, give them direction to know how to pray for us. But prayer is right now the most important thing that God would crystallize the call, crystallize the vision for the church, um, provide the right people and yeah. And bless the work. If it's indeed what he wants us to do. I love it. That and I'll have an Acts 29 assessment coming up so they can pray that the Lord would, uh, Help me endure that. <laughs> yeah, when is that? When is that one? I don't know yet. Okay. Um, all of, everything's been submitted. Um, I'm waiting to hear back from them as to when that will be. Great. So. Any other way, dude? Any other way we can support you? I give you more preaching reps. <laughs> <laughs> I I like to preach, so I'll take all the preaching I can get. Um, but. Uh, uh, right now, prayer is the most important thing that we need. I, I don't think it's too soon, too early to mm. be more specific than that, I think. Great. Yeah. Great. Well, Church, thanks for giving us 45 minutes of your time. Like we kind of talked about earlier in this podcast, most of you know this or have sensed this, and so this official announcement isn't surprising for you. But this is our official announcement. So this Sunday... Come to church, um, give Luke and Brenda a high five, and tell them that you are on their team. Oh. So, shoot. You got light bulb. Interest meeting? Oh, yeah, yeah, tell them. Tell them about the interest meeting. So, we are going to have a formal interest meeting for those who are of any level of interest in 
what the Lord's calling me to do and planting a church. So um, it will be Saturday, December 11th from 10 a.m. till noon at First Family Church. Yes, First Family Church. Yes. Todd Styles is the I man. I love First Family Church, They are man. being gracious enough to give us space in their in their church here in Ankeny to uh, cool. to uh, have have a meeting. So if it, whether it's just you want to know what's going on at Frontier or you have interest in the plant itself, come on on. We have plenty of space, so great. And you know, not you know, not everybody's going to go. You know, like yeah. not everybody's going to go out to this. I mean, more people will stay than will go. I think yeah. a healthy, I think a healthy goal would be ten percent of our church mm-hmm. going. You know, a core team of fifteen people. Yeah, I think that'd be a great win. So most people are staying at Frontier, yes. but. I would love to see everybody from Frontier at the interest meeting. Yes. Because if you're a part of Frontier, you should be interested. Yes. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be great. And they'll hear a lot of the same things that we just talked about here. Yeah. So. Awesome. Awesome. Get to hear it again. <laughs> Sweet. Well, hey, church, we, we love you guys dearly. Thanks again for giving us your time. We hope that this podcast equips you to, to celebrate Luke and Brenda really well. And we also, help, we also hope that it helps you worship local. That's fun. Yeah.